and welcome to show some respect. Tom Whitcomb is talking out of the spiral zone that was last week. We'll get into that in a sec. Before we do, uh, I need to do this because I am terrible at promoting things on this podcast. This Friday night, Friday the 9th of December, my friend Anthony Licasio and I are running brand new jokes, brand new material at a night we're calling Dry Run. It's this Friday night at Kinsella's Hotel on Oxford Street. It's going to be a bit of fun. It's going to be loose. Uh, it's going to be all new stuff. You probably haven't seen any of it before. It's going to serve as the basis of our festival shows that are going to be grossly overlooked by the festival awards committees in 2023. So if you would like to come and see us do some new material, we'll do some crowd worky sort of stuff. We'll uh, you know get your opinions on, on, on the new stuff we're running, all, all that good stuff. It's going to be a really good fun Good fun night day. It's gonna it's gonna be a really good fun night day. It's gonna it's gonna be it's gonna be as unpolished as uh, this podcast is. So if you like this, you're gonna love that. Anthony is a very good friend of mine and a very very uh, accomplished comedian. He's gonna be running all his stuff. I'm ex- I, I won't even have heard it, so I'm excited to hear it. I'm excited for him to show to show him some of my stuff. So it's gonna be great. Now. Uh, let me address the elephant in the room that was last week's episode. I, I did. Wouldn't it have been funny if I just sort of, if I if I just sort of just never released another podcast ever again, and all of you and just and just stopped went went MIA on uh, on Instagram and stopped responding to any of my messages for those of you who are friends and family, and then you just be like, did he did he do something? No, I'm fine. Everything's fine. Last week's episode of Show Some Respect, Tom Whitcomb is talking, or as my dear friend Dan Muggleton described it, Show Some Empathy, Tom Whitcomb is spiraling, which was probably the the right title. And that might be a spinoff of this podcast. I might have to start a second podcast called Show Some Sympathy, Tom Whitcomb is spiraling, because I'll, I'll be honest, there's I could record another episode of that podcast today, but that's not what I'm doing. We're back. We're back to... to Thinly veiled irony and, and pure sarcasm on every topic that I, I uh, touch on. L- look, you know, I got some very nice messages from, from the episode last week, and whether those were uh, uh, genuine compliments or just just pure pity, either way, I'm, I'm taking them all to be uh, just praise, just totally... Genuine praise from each and every one of you. I also got some distressed messages. Uh, someone, one of my friends, described it as an oral, an oral suicide note. And uh, you know, he's listening to this podcast, and he's also attempted. So, if if you're going to take anyone's word on something like that, I'm going to take his. So that was that was troubling. That wasn't what I was going for. If I'm honest, it wasn't quite what I was going for. You know, how do you get this? How do you get this attached to a, not even a career? It's not even a career yet. My hobby of telling jokes. Oh my god, this is pathetic. Some people have to do things with their lives. I'm 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 trying to make I'm trying to make a life for myself where I do as little as possible, and it's causing me so much stress. How does that work out? I'm trying to. What is anyway? That's that's not that's not even that's not even touch it. I've 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 been handling the situation in a very healthy way by replaying the same game of FIFA over and over again and playing copious amounts of Tetris. I'm addicted to Tetris, and gee, I I hate that sentence. I'm addicted to Tetris. I just want to choke myself for even letting myself utter that. Some I. I, I would like to equate it. I would like to blame anxiety for this and say this is some kind of mental health issue manifesting in me. But again, is it really? 
is it uh, I can't help but note that my much like most of my peers mental health issues are purely self-diagnosed also it's never been easier to get a diagnosis and I still don't have one it would I all I have to go to is go to a GP and uh, answer 20 questions on a one to five scale and just make most of them twos. And he'll be like, yep, which medication would you like? Or would you like to spin the wheel? (laughs) You can spin the wheel. Maybe you get antidepressants, anti-anxiety medications. Maybe it's placebo. Who knows? Such is the medical uh, system of 2022. And, And, you know, if Abby Chatfield is listening, please don't come at me for my take on mental health. I don't know if you guys are up on that. Abby Chat, How has Abby Chatfield become a social commentator all of a sudden? Fuck me. Truly, I, I don't know. Every time I react to anything Abby Chatfield does, I'm like, is this, is this just deep-seated misogyny emerging in whatever form it has to to justify me disliking this woman so much? Or is she just a cunt? I can't tell. There is such a smugness to that woman for a former Bachelorette contestant and Bachelor contestant. For, the, for a judge on The Voice to think she's better than you, not, the, not even the voice on the fucking Masked Singer. Doesn't it? The Masked Singer, as far as I can tell, is a reality TV show invented purely to give epileptic seizures and and f- future failed musicians hope. Both of those truly horrific acts of any individual, let alone a mass-produced network television show. Absolutely deplorable what those people are doing. I hate the masked the masked singer. The masked singer is is a TikTok manifest in a TV show. We can't give these cunts ten seconds. I'm sorry, I'm using the c word a lot. This I know my mother and my future father-in-law are both listening to this, so uh, apologies. But uh, we can't let these people have ten seconds when we are not just absolutely molesting them with stimulus. We, we need to, flashing lights and loud music and uh, comedians with questionable dialects, dialects the wrong word, accents, still wrong. What would you call Dave Hughes? What would you call what Dave Hughes has? Um, we just, we just constantly, we, we can't trust these people to sit still for more than five seconds. We, we need to just bombard them. Bombard every sense all the time with questions and music and flashing lights. And if some people are convulsing on the floor by the end of it, well, that's just the price of doing business. That's that's the price we pay for entertaining the masses, that we lose a few epileptics along the way. I truly, I I hate, I hate it. I hate it. And, uh, and you know what? Me being addicted to Tetris is no better. I don't love that either. I've been playing it so much. I true. Truly an addiction. Truly, I, I sit at my laptop, I'm like, one more game. And it's never one more game. It's never one more. It's Because you get stuck in this cycle of like, well, I need one more good game. I need it to go well. And then if it doesn't go well, you're like, well, I've got to keep playing until I have a good one. And you have a good one. You're like, I'm on hot form right now. I'm on a streak. I've got to keep going. It is uh, addicted to Tetris. I'm like, you... Is there, is there a more privileged sentence? Is there a sentence that reflects more white middle-class privilege and dismisses the idea of addiction any more ruthlessly than I'm addicted to Tetris. You know that thing people have for ice and heroin? I have that for this two-dimensional square-based geometry game. 
That's it's the same. It's exactly it's exactly the same. That's what's happening between us. If you say I'm addicted to Tetris in the mirror three times, Sheldon from the Big Bang Theory comes and slaps you across the face because what you're really battling is an autism disorder under the guise of addiction. Hey, while I'm bitching about things that are popular, hey, can, have I have I let you guys in about how much I loathe the Big Bang Theory? I hate the Big Bang Theory with a burning hot passion. That show is such trash because. I don't know if you were across this. I have this. I have this theory about at any in any year, you have the world's biggest of multiple things. You have like the world's biggest sitcom, the world's biggest drama, the world's biggest movie, the world's biggest band, the world's biggest like the the female pop singer, and it sort of they they transition over eras. So I think you know um, I'm probably reaching into a barrel that I have no right, but it's kind of like Britney Spears was the biggest pop singer, and then it was Christina Aguilera, and then it was Gwen Stefani, and then it was Beyonce, and then it was Katy Perry, and it's kind of like they, they're defining of the era that they're, they're in. Likewise for bands with whether it's, you know, Muse and then Coldplay and then uh, Arctic Monkeys, whatever. TV sitcoms, if you think about it, it's kind of like, I think it, this is in my mind the way that progression goes. It goes like Cheers, then... Seinfeld, then I don't know if maybe probably Friends. I don't know if there's a gap between Seinfeld and Friends. Cheers, Seinfeld, Friends, Scrubs, How I Met Your Mother, Two and a Half Men, Big Bang Theory. And every transition, we all collectively as a race lost five IQ points to the point where they just go, well, maybe if we put smart people in the show, they wouldn't have to reflect on how moronic everyone watching this is. It And... and I, I know some people hated Two and a Half Men, which I actually I didn't mind. As I, and look, this is the thing. I liked all of those shows at the time. I enjoyed every single one of those. I owned box sets of all of them up until I learned how to download things illegally. Up until Scrubs, I had box sets. I don't know if I had a home yet, Mother. Two and a Half Men, I feel like, was a real turning point. where like, We're not even going to pretend to make good things anymore. And, and look, I fell for it. I enjoyed it. Big Bang Theory. How do you make a show about four people with autism and it not be funny? It's Have you ever watched those YouTube videos? Have you ever watched those YouTube videos where they edit out the laugh track? It is painful. It is, it's like when you see, it's like when you see those uh, experiments that they sometimes do in psychology. There's this really famous one of, um, they get a whole bunch of people in a room and they, uh, they sit them around a table, and they ask them a series of questions, and the first, they, they answer them one at a time, from person one to person five. Person one to four are plants, okay? They're not, they're not actually taking part in the experiment. They're actors hired by the scientists who are running the experiment. Person five is an actual respondent. These, this is a real experiment that's conducted that you can watch on YouTube. There's good videos of it. They ask some really simple questions. I think this one is like, which of these two things is bigger? Here's two circles. Which one's bigger? A or B. Here's two squares. Which one's bigger? A or B. Here's two lines. Which one's longer? And uh, they ask them three questions. The first two, all they're super obvious. These are like things you would ask monkeys, and, and most of them would get it right. And... The first two questions, everyone answers. Person one, two, three, four, they go A, 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 all the way through. Then the next one, the circle B is bigger, B, 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 B. And then the next one, clearly line B is bigger. And yet persons one to four say A, all right? Because they're not part of the experiment. They are actors hired to be there. The scientist says on the third one, get it clearly wrong. 
And the fifth person, who is a real person, that, that's the person they're studying in this experiment, they will just go with the crowd. Even though it is so obvious that line B is bigger, they will say A because they want to fit in. And you watch that and you go, wow, we are so easily, easy to manipulate. They need to do so little to draw us in to the crowd. That's what the Big Bang Theory laugh track does to all of us. I don't think it's all of us, actually. I think some of us slip through the cracks and go, well, this can't be, this isn't. It is, take, watch those, if you haven't seen it before, go to YouTube, watch Big Bang Theory, no laugh track. It is painful. It is so painful. Watching them react, watching them leave space for laughter, for things that barely resonate as jokes, it is truly... If you ever watch the Big Bang Theory, turn this podcast off immediately. If you watched it by choice and not because you left it on after Friends finished, turn this podcast... If you own a Bazinga t-shirt, just throw your phone into the nearest body of water because it's too good for you. You don't deserve it. I hate that show so much. It is just so emblematic of the fact we will just lap up whatever dog shit they throw in front of us. Did I mention I'm still spiraling? Has anyone picked up on that? I don't know. I saw a, a, a friend of mine who books um, Sydney comedy rooms and also runs this town. That's a very that's a very niche reference. Some of you will get that, um, but uh, that's a that's a Sydney comedy scene reference. He uh, he gets sent videos from different comedians who are in Sydney from out of town or overseas looking for spots um, at his comedy show saying, hey, can I come up? Can I do 10 minutes? Can I do five minutes? Whatever. And um, he sent sometimes the particularly bad ones. Any any uh, up-and-coming comedians, keep this in mind. This happens. When you send your clips to a booker and they're bad, that booker sends those clips around the traps so we can make fun of you. So we can laugh at you rather than with you. It's, um, it's, it's very, very rude and quite hurtful. But it's also what keeps me in the game. Uh, pure schadenfreude. Happy schadenfreude to everyone who's listening to this on a Friday. That segment didn't last, did it? Anyway, you might not even... I, I tried to do a thing for a little while. It was called Schadenfreudes. It was about people sending me in stories of, of any instances of schadenfreude they came across... And I got two instances, and they were both way too hectic to endorse on a podcast. One of them involved a miscarriage. It was too much. There's a reason that that, that segment ended very, very quickly. You couldn't be trusted. That's, the, that's my demo, apparently. Uh, my, my dem- and I could have picked this. My demographic in stand-up comedy and podcasting is people who find fucked things really funny. Oh, that's sorry. That's the sound of me realizing what I do. <coughs> Anyway, this guy sent this video around, and uh, it was this American comic who, for all intents and purposes, it, sometimes I do run into these people in life, and well, I say in life, in comedy, which is barely life. In comedy, you run into these people, and you're like, wow, this person is either so horrifically troubled is, is is so ill and stupid that I don't think I've ever come across a person like this before. Or this is the greatest performance art piece I have ever experienced in my entire life. There is, if, if, if this is, there are people you write, it's that whole like truth is stranger than fiction thing. If this, if this was conceived by non-biological means, if this 
person is doing this intentionally to make a statement about mental health in the 21st century. This is brilliant. Truly, truly brilliant work, but it never is. It's always the former. It's always it's always true mental illness. And um, anyway, this is what I meant. This guy is either one of the most astute, fascinating representations of what 21st century America has become. He's playing this amazing, ignorant, redneck character, and he's making commentary on the the conservative politics of those areas and and, and rural working class individuals and 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 the way America sees itself in the world. Or he's just a fucking redneck. And I think it's that one. I'm pretty sure it's that one. And he sent this video clip of his hour-long comedy special. And i got to say, as someone who's put out an hour-long comedy special this year and uh, worried about how it might be judged, um, I judged the fuck out of this hour-long comedy special. It only had 600 views, and I'm like, okay, cool. I, I kind of, look, I was very happy with how many views my special got. to go over 50,000. Very, very happy for that. Thank you to anyone listening who watched. I appreciate your support. But also... I was kind of like, well, I knew the YouTube algorithm is kind of pushing that stuff at the moment. Who knows whether it really resonated with people or is it just one of those things that people are watching so much content, it just racked up, you know. People click on it, it counts as a play, whatever. And I saw this one and it had like, came out at the same time, it had like 400 views. I'm like, oh, okay, good, good. There is some, some level of uh, meritocracy at play. He goes, he starts, his, um, he's doing his bits. He's doing one of his bits, it's about... Um, it's a. It's about the words he can't say anymore. I, I dare say it might be about being cancelled, about being cancelled. And if there's one thing that you can learn from Louis C.K., Dave Chappelle, Ricky Gervais, um, getting cancelled doesn't exist. The only thing that exists is sexual assault and legal proceedings. The only people who have been cancelled are Harvey Weinstein and Kevin Spacey because they are currently facing decades in prison. No, you can't... You, anyway, cancel culture, not a thing. I hope... Well, you look, if it turns out to be a thing, if my career doesn't take off, I'll probably I'll probably renege on this and claim it is a thing and say that I just... I, I You know, what really happened in my career is not a lack of talent, but a lack of freedom of speech pushed by the uh, woke lamestream media. This story has taken a long time. He's on stage and he says uh, one of... Uh, I, I, to be fair, a joke that in 2003 I would have fallen off my chair laughing and then told all my friends. He goes, um, you can't, you can't say retard anymore. You can't say it. It's not politically correct. You gotta call him a feminist. And, uh, boy, is that bad. That is so, it's so terrible. And it crushes huge laugh. I'm like, who the, what the fuck? And I realized he's on this massive stage, huge, like really, really big. Like in terms of the stage itself, you can't, there's no shots of the audience whatsoever. But he is on a stage that is kind of the size of the Enmore Theatre stage. Like it's probably 15 metres one side to the, to the other. And I, tr- I, I was so confused. Like what is, who is he performing to? What is happening? And then he tells another joke. And I can't remember what the joke was about, but I'm going to presume um, it was about women. And I'm going to also presume it wasn't that uh, positive. 
which as any of you who have seen my material would know, is something that I will not stand for. Um, I'm an ally and a feminist, and uh, th- those are the first two things. And every other characteristic of me, that's secondary to my uh, feminist ally. Ship. Hood. Allyship. Ally Hood. Ally Akbar. Feminist joke number two crushes as well. I mean, this guy's doing so. And then I'm like, wait a minute. Was that the same laugh? And I went back. It's the exact same laugh on both of them. This motherfucker's using a laugh track. This guy was you. This guy was making a comedy special in front of Jimmy Carson's recorded audience. It sounded and it kind of you know when you hear audience recordings from like the nineteen seventies. I don't know what it is about, but for some reason, audiences laughed different fifty years ago. Like I, I, I have no idea why, but it was something about it. I was like, this is. 100% a laugh track. And sure enough, I am I am convinced. I don't reckon this guy even performed in front of an audience. I reckon this guy has gone down to local theatre when no one is there, snack, you know, probably broken a lock in the middle of the night, snuck on, set up two cameras, performed his hour of comedy to nobody, and like, we'll fix it in post. We'll put in some oohs and ahs and some, some you know, 25, 25 applause breaks across the, the spectrum of the entire hour. And that will be a pretty fair representation of uh, of what that would have played out like. So, um, anyway. Point being, I don't know how I got here. Point being, Tetris is the greatest game of all time. And I'm, and I'm really... I've been playing this whole podcast, if I'm honest. I've been, I've been, pl- I've been waiting for that vertical four-square Tetris block the entire time, and it still hasn't come. It's... Um, it is. It's not good. It's because uh, I think I I, I, went, I had a bit of a Google. I was like, is Tetris a thing? Because I have a, a memory of Tetris being a thing that a lot of people are addicted to. And uh, look, there are people, but it's not a lot. I just have a very, very weak spirit. <clears throat> um, anyway, comedy is still very confusing. Comedy is still causing all kinds of problems. I had a, a set on Wednesday where it went fine. And then on Thursday, I was like, I need a win. I needed a win tonight. And I got one Thursday at Comedy Untamed. Had a good set. Felt very, very good. Went back on Friday. Back to fine. Like, oh, fuck this. I just need to. We're going, um, <clears throat> my partner and I were going over to Paris and London in uh, December, which is so exciting. Just need to take a, take a break, get away for a little bit. Uh, so I've got a bunch of gigs this week. Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Um, Friday night, again, at Kinsella's with... Um, what are we calling it? Dry run. Please come along. We'd love to see you there. Just trying to trying to work on some new stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, trying to just just trying to muddle through. Have you guys seen that Instagram has subscription services now? I'm I'm just thinking about. I'm trying to navigate social media and all this stuff. You know, you could. I, I think this has been a thing for a couple of months, but I didn't even realize you can subscribe to people's Instagram accounts. It, what what isn't a subscription service anymore? What we do we need subscription services for everything? Our entertainment, our food, our transport, like everything. Everything is a subscription service. Suddenly, I'm subscribing to. If you if fuck, does anyone here subscribe to anyone on Instagram? That is, I can't think of a bigger waste of money. Now. If at some stage I end up asking you to do that for me, I'm going to ask you to just totally disregard everything I've just said about it because I might. 
there is a fair to high chance at some point in 2023. I'm like, guys, I got some hot, hot content on Instagram right now. You got to subscribe. It's only $12.99 a month. It's only the same cost of Netflix. It's only the exact same cost as pretty much every great Hollywood movie ever made, plus all six seasons of Stranger Things, House of Cards, Game of Thrones, everything. It's the same price um, to see some of my half-polished jokes and very half-assed crowd work that I'm throwing up on Instagram, and I think you'd love it. I think you'd really enjoy get a lot of value out of that. Who? You can't. You can't be. Who? Because... I don't even. I wasn't even aware Instagram offered this. To be one of the people to be like, I reckon, I reckon my Instagram is worth paying for. You are fucking kidding yourself. Because I was reading an article in the Sydney Morning Herald about it today, and uh, they were saying that you know could this be the death of the Instagram influencer? Let's hope. Let's hope because hopefully what happens is some hot chick in Bondi who is 24 and therefore has between five and seven years left of her career as an influencer, is thinking, I'm worth third, I'm worth, I'm worth $3 a week. I reckon my beauty tips are worth it. And they put a paywall up and everybody in her entire follower list goes, yeah, nope. I'm going to replace you with someone who is almost exactly the same. And says the exact same things and pretty much might as well be a perfect clone of you. In fact, I thought that was you for a long time and uh, she's leaving it free, so I'm going to take it over here. Thanks so much. I'm still COVID free, uh, which is very frustrating because as I said, I'm going overseas in just under two weeks now. And I swear to God, if I'm testing positive on my way out of the country, I will be furious. I did everything. I did everything I could. I, I helped myself to other people's drinks when they weren't looking. I, I got very close to people's faces while I was talking to them. I almost, I, we, we may or may not at the start of the year have done a little sort of, uh, you know, you know how parents in America do that thing with chickenpox when one of their kids get it and suddenly they invite all the other kids in the neighborhood around? Almost, almost was coming to that term, to, 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 to that um. Well, no, sorry, we, we did do that. We did, at the start of the year, we had friends who were like, hey, you got COVID? We love COVID. Come round, have a cup of tea. Have some of mine. Well, now those friends have COVID and, uh, well, no invite as of yet, but I might take it. I would not mind because I've been around. Everyone at my office got it. At the work Christmas party, everyone had had it. I went to a wedding. I'm sure people had it there. People who sit at the desk next to me got it. Damn my rock-solid immune system. Unfortunately, I'm just so biologically superior to these people. If only, if only I was as fragile and weak. If only my body was as weak as my mind. <laughs> just, should I keep bringing this back? Should I keep talking about... Should I keep bringing up the spiral? Or should I just move on? Guys, I'm feeling great, all right? Anyway, the answer, the, the title of this podcast is uh, Why Kanye West Has Some Great Ideas. Show some respect. Tom Whitcomb is agreeing with Kanye West on the Alex Jones podcast. Has everyone seen this? This was one of these, like, when I first saw the clips from this Kanye West, Alex Jones thing. So, all right, this, this will be my last little bit before I, I'll, I'll leave you for the week, but... If you haven't seen it, so Alex Jones. Alex Jones is an, an American political commentator who, he his last big thing, like he's, he's always been sort of that kind of Illuminati, 
um, you know, the higher-ups, the powers that be, uh, are ruling the world. Super heavy conspiracy theory shit. He got in a lot of trouble because he claimed the Sandy Hook uh, massacre didn't actually happen, which was that uh, one of the big school shootings in the US. And um, he got sued for that and got in a lot of trouble. But now he's just become this... He's his own thing. He's He's got his own network. People tune in. And it's one of those, like... Are people tuning in because they agree with him or because they're like, what crazy shit is he going to say this week? And ultimately, doesn't matter. He had Kanye West on his podcast this week. Kanye West comes in dressed in a black morph suit and a motorcycle jacket bought from a local Vinnie's, it looks like. It is the most... It is the most... He, he, he looks like the character in a racing game you haven't unlocked yet because he's just got a black... Like, totally covered black face. And, uh... Like... <laughs> Is it you look? I don't know how to make a joke out of that, but me saying Kanye West has a totally covered black face is there's something funny about it. There is something funny about I, I'm not talented or uh, articulate enough to tell you what it is, but it's a it's a weird sentence, isn't it? Because he does have a black face. Am I making this clear enough? He does. He's a black guy. He has a black face, and it's anyway. Um, and I watched the highlights. There's 18 minutes of it. The highlights almost gave me an aneurysm in of themselves because I'm watching it and it's so hard to be like, it's the same thing I was saying before. Is this performance art or is this mental illness? Because he's he's like, the five minutes, he, he, he baffles Alex Jones. Alex Jones, who thinks the world is run by lizard people, was like, this Kanye West is a little bit, a little bit cuckoo, if you ask me. Uh... He, he he's going on, Kanye West is going on about how he loves Nazis and Hitler had great ideas and he loves Hitler and yeah, yes, Hitler may have killed some Jews, definitely not six million, but some, you know, maybe a handful. But um, the outfits, you know, the outfits were pretty good. This is honestly Kanye West's rhetoric in this interview. Please don't cut that and put it anywhere out of context because, look, you know, I, I, as I was saying this out loud, I'm like, the people need to know I'm quoting. People need to know I'm quoting this. Kanye West has just, oh. And then, and then I read an article in The Guardian about Milo Yiannopoulos. And if you don't remember who that is, good. But I will double back to remind you. Milo Yiannopoulos commenting on the fact that, uh, that Donald Trump was at dinner with Kanye West and a white supremacist YouTuber... Uh, which descended into Trump shouting at Kanye West that he can't beat him in the presidential race, despite the fact Kanye West was asking to be his running mate in 2024. What is happening? The world is falling apart around us. Kanye, Donald Trump needed, obviously was emotionally invested in the idea that Kanye West thinks he might beat him to be President of the United States as a YouTubing white supremacist looks on, says former provocateur slash cancelled personality slash pedophilia enthusiast Milo Yiannopoulos. Straight from the Guardian newspaper. I hate everything so much. We just... What is... This is why I'm spiralling. This is why this is this is why this happens because my job. I was gonna say my job is to talk about this, but no, my hobby. My hobby is to talk like this, and then my 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 disposition is to treat it like a job. Oh God. 
all right, here we go. Another 29 minutes of how my, my mind is deteriorating. Here we go. No, no, I'm not going to do that. Everything's fine. Guys, everything's fine. Like I said, I don't even have, I don't have mental health issues. I have, I have vague anxiety. I don't have mental health issues. I have a stressful job. And I'm not talking about this. I mean the actual one. Everything's good. Everything's good. How about those socceroos, huh? Almost did it. <laughs> is that is that enough of a positive note to end on here? I watched um, I, I watched the Socceroos this morning. It's Sunday. It's Sunday, uh, the second, third, fourth of December. And uh, look, I, I'm as devastated as as every diehard, passionate Australian right now. You know, because uh, I watched the Socceroos for a total of eight minutes this World Cup, including highlights. And, uh, boy, they went out brave, didn't they? Despite the fact, from what I could see, they were getting fucking dominated the entire time. But, oh, we're proud of those boys. We are proud of those boys. And then, you got to love... They were saying at the, um, at the Qatar World Cup that Australian fans were outnumbered by Argentinian fans about 8 to 1. How are all these Argentinians getting to the Middle East? I thought Argentina was, like, slums, isn't it? Like, not exclusively, but a lot. How do they have that much spare money to just be jaunting over to the other side of the world to see Leo Messi play his last game? If we'd been the reason, if Australia had been the reason Leo Messi was done playing World Cup football, how do we sleep at night for, for our novelty win? Australia going any further in the World Cup would have been like the Wiggles getting number one in the hottest 100. It's like, oh, that's, that's fun, but it is also quite disrespectful for the people who are really passionate about this. Um. I do love that every time, every time you you see the camera at the Qatar World Cup turn to an Australian or English fan, you got to keep in mind uh, there's not a drop of alcohol anywhere near them for their entire duration of their time in Qatar. They went there thinking they were going to a sporting tournament. What they were actually going to was a football themed detox. What a great time! You got to love that. Uh, are they? <laughs> Are they uh, are they really distraught that Australia got knocked out of the World Cup, or are they just experience severe Bundy run withdrawals? Who will know? Uh, guys, we're gonna, we're gonna call it quits after that. I think that was pretty fun. The first fifteen minutes were feeling really good, and then I uh, and then I got too self reflective again. And I need to stop doing that. It's uh, it's not good for any of us. Let's let's wrap things up. Let's wrap it up for the uh, for the for the day with the three two one that we always do. At Show Some Respect, Tom Whitcomb is talking. The 3 2 1. Let's start off. Let's give one big point. One big point to uh, the Socceroos for putting in a valiant effort that I almost got up to watch this morning. And and for also for not winning. So I don't have to deal with all of the Instagram stories from people who are football fans once every four years if we make it. Um, Two points go to the Argentinian player who scored the only Socceroos goal. Yeah, that's the only Socceroos goal today. Uh, an own goal, which never looked like getting in. One of the most freakish-looking own goals I've ever seen in my life. Just truly disrespectful to... Uh, if, if that had been the reason Leo met... I, I know I'm harping on that, but seriously, how could we sleep at night if we were the reason the gr- one of the greatest footballing players of all time didn't get his chance to win a World Cup? Probably doesn't deserve one, but still. Three points. Look, I'm going to give three points to Alex Jones. I, I don't know if you guys know who Alex Jones is. I... I'm always kind of the people that I hear the most about from this podcast are um, my mother and my, as I said, future father-in-law who they're like, you know, most of the time you bring up cultural references. We have no fucking idea what you're talking about. 
Alex Jones is one of the most provocative, in a bad way, ridiculous, over-the-top political commentators of the 21st century. And yet Kanye West, Kanye West was so absurd, even he found moral high ground. He, he, Alex Jones was the voice of reason by saying, I don't think I agree with you that Hitler was a great guy. That is, uh, that's got to be some part of podcasting history. Hey, look, um, Kanye West is struggling for platforms right now. Kanye, look, I've never had guests on this podcast before. If you wanted to come here, talk it out. If you wanted to wear one of those, uh, you've, you've already worn a morph suit, so you, what other mid-2000s uh, popular dress-up? Maybe you could wear one of those, uh, you know those outfits where it's like you have a cowboy hat on but in front of you is like an inflatable horse and the horse's legs are your legs? You could wear one of those. That could be fun. Come onto the podcast. Let's hash it out. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about who could be running the banking system if we were going to push the Jews out of it. Let, let's, you know, let's not just talk about problems. Let's find, them some, let's find some solutions. But hey, no final solutions. All right, that's my only, that's my only bit of, uh, of requirement. And with that, we're going to call it, we're going to call it right there for yet another show some sympathy, Tom Whitcomb is spiraling. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for coming back. Thanks for checking in. Everything's fine. Everything is fine. Life's good. I need a holiday. You guys need a holiday? Fuck, bring on Christmas. But until then, have a great week and I'll see you next time. Bye.